y'all. Welcome to Third Shift Thoughts with Joe Fizz. I'm Joe Fizz, and today's topics are going to be disc golf and a darker shade of magic. So what exactly is disc golf? Personally, I didn't know what disc golf was until I met a group of friends who actively enjoyed the sport. It's a sport. Basically, what you do is you have three round six-inch frisbees, and you go out into the great outdoors. Typically, they're at metro parks or other city parks or things like that, and there are quote-unquote disc golf courses. Um, They have specific markers, and they show you how the course is, almost like putt-putt golf and typically regular golf too, except with this, you have these six-inch frisbees, and there are and differences between disc golf and regular golf. So your typical strokes and pars and stuff like that still apply. You have typically three different discs. There's the mid-range, the driver, and the putter. And you are essentially in the great outdoors. And you try to, instead of making it into the quote-unquote hole, which is the small hole that usually happens in golf, you have these, they look like baskets, like large baskets. And the goal is to throw your Frisbee into the basket. Now, if you are strategic about it, and I'm not very good, so I will not be giving the greatest advice in the world, uh, what you do is you take your driver, which is the distance disc, and you throw that. You can either do it uh, overhand, or you can do it like almost in a sidearm way, and you throw and the goal is to see how far it goes and to try and keep it on a pretty linear path towards the hole. If you can get a hole in one, that's amazing. That's going to put you in better standings than if you do what I do <laughs> and you get uh, three, essentially th- like between three and four throws until you get to the basket. You can play in teams. So if you want to take your friends and family out, you can. They have discs at various stores, and it's a great way to kind of leisurely experience the outdoors. In my opinion, it kind of reminds me of the bowling version of golf, where in essence, you are not really straining yourself too much. Like with golf, there's like all these other motions and things that could essentially hurt the back or the shoulders or stuff like that with disc golf. You may have some wrist problems <laughs> if you play a lot, but honestly, it's almost similar even to, I think, discus too, but you don't throw it like a discus if you're familiar with track and field. It's more along the lines of just like playing frisbee with your friends, but in the great outdoors, and you're trying to get as few throws as possible and make it in the basket. I know that... There are various apps to, t- to keep track of your score. There are various apps that will help you with, I think, the course. I think some some apps have, like, the course laid out on it. And there's even professional disc golf. There's been disc golf recently on ESPN and various other news outlets. So it's pretty interesting and exciting to do. One of the things that I would recommend is... Don't expect yourself to go out there and be the greatest thrower ever. I figured it was just like 
throwing a regular Frisbee and it's totally not. <laughs> it's going to take some practice and it's going to take some time. There are some courses that are super extreme and there are some courses that are just for fun for the whole family and friends. So if that is something that interests you, I would totally check it out. I think some discs, like a group of three, run about 30 bucks, if I remember correctly from what my source has said, if I remember that correctly. I'm sure you can find some used on eBay or something like that too. So you should totally check it out. It's a lot of, lot of fun. I know from my experience, um, the way this course was set up, there was a hole that essentially you had to throw up the hill and the hole was kind of in some weeds. So that was exciting because you were trying to attempt to not lose the disc. And then when you got to that hole and you completed that hole, then you had to throw it down the hill. Uh, one thing I will say about disc golf though, <laughs> is that when you're playing, be careful and wary of your surroundings. Don't just go throwing the disc, hoping that you know, you're going to power arm it and it goes flying and it busts through an old couple's car. That is something that you do not want to do. Uh, we almost had that happen when a group of friends and I played a little while ago, but it's a total, total blast. Some holes will have water next to them. So that is a struggle. So you have to make sure that you're very accurate when it comes to how you throw. If you're not, you could go screening off into the abyss and then you will have to wade through water in order to get it. Sometimes when you're playing disc golf, one thing to do would be to write your name on your discs and a phone number. And that was something that I saw when we played. It was a really exciting thing. Uh, if you find a disc because, you know, somebody just abandoned it and abandoned hope to look for it, then it's technically yours. Or you can, I'm sure, leave it in a one of the holes for somebody else. To go into detail about the holes, essentially there's a metal piece of pipe, and then there is the, this like little chain link that kind of runs into like a into a basket area. And from that basket area, it essentially traps the disc. If you throw the disc, for example, and it hits the chains, technically you get the hole, but I'm pretty sure if it hits the chains but it, yet it goes through, or it hits the chain, but it lands on the other side of the hole, then it technically doesn't count. It has to land into this basket-like apparatus that is below the hole. It's a really good time. I know I've said that like 30 times, but it's exciting. Me personally, it was relaxing. It wasn't taxing like basketball or football or anything like that. It was just a nice leisurely stroll through the great outdoors in the height of summer and enjoyed it with the group of friends that I have playing on teams was an interesting moment too. Um, I think playing single, I would be absolutely terrible. Uh, that is my <laughs> humble opinion. Playing on teams was a lot of fun too, because when you throw the disc, whoever's disc is the farthest you as a group throw from that position. So say you have somebody who's really good on your team and they throw really far you will go to there where their disc lands and then throw from there. So let's get into some other aspects. Use your driver. The driver, like I said before, is supposed to go the farthest or try and go the farthest. It's designed that way. So you start with your driver and you throw it. Wherever that lands comes the next interesting challenge. So you get, if you're close-ish to the 
hole, and you might want to switch to your mid-range. But if you perform better with your driver, you might want to use it again, depending on how many strokes it is, so how many strokes you have left, how many and what par it is on the hole. You might want to use your putter, which sounds really weird because putters are usually used for shorter distances. But if you're that good, you will use your putter and it will be all right. I know for us, when we played, I hardly used the mid-range, um, mostly because I was just terrible <laughs> the first time around. Uh, it was a riveting and exciting experience because I threw, like on the hill hole, I threw down the hill and watched my driver go super far. But the problem is if you are on a smaller hole and you want to use your driver, then you could send it flying into the woods and then you may lose it. So what you might want to do is use your mid-range there in place of your driver. Or if you're feeling super confident and you're, you know your putter is better than the other ones, then you can use your putter. But again, the putter's supposed to be used for short distances. So it takes a little bit of thinking through. It takes a couple of times of throwing to get the hang of it. But once you do, it is honestly quite a fun experience. So that's it for disc golf. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a comment or tweet at us at the Fizz Speaks, and we can go into some details about it there. And after a little music interlude, we're going to hop into A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. topic we're going to talk about is A Darker Shade of Magic and the Shade of Magic series by V.E. Schwab. Going into this book, I started with not a little bit of apprehension, but I started with an expectation. I was told that this was the faith-restoring piece of literature in the fantasy world. And for those of you who are fans of Harry Potter, sorry as I adjust my mic, for those of you who are fans of Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings and Narnia and all those various fantasy novels uh, like me, the genre gets boring. 
gets really, 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 really boring sometimes. You hear the same story 30 times over, rising hero, rising action, big bad evil guy. It's just the same thing over and over. This is not that book. It has two really strong characters, Kel and Lila. But it's not the same. And I will explain why without giving away spoilers or anything like that. This book starts with a bang. It just kicks right off, which I love in books. I love getting sucked in in the beginning, and I love getting enthralled in what it is that they are doing. This is that series. I'm already, I would say, I'm about 150 pages out from the end of the book, but so far I know I'm going to finish this book to completion because it's so rich in detail. I was almost skipping paragraphs reading through it like how I did with Harry Potter, and it's set in a really interesting time period, right when you see King George III going completely mad. And I love that because I'm a history guy. So it's exciting to see that. And it's exciting to see this literature and this genre be revitalized with something that isn't just the same repeated magic over and over again. In this story universe, whereas in Harry Potter, it was like something that came from your lineage or like it was gifted to you by some random means you know the quote-unquote purebloods versus the muggles and stuff like that this is blood magic which some people are you know leery of but the story does a great way of explaining it that there are just these specific types of magicians and the way they access certain portals and stuff like that going through different worlds is by utilizing blood magic this is the way uh that the Schwab brings her story to us. We have Kel, who is a smuggler, who is a magician as well, and tries to help his family as best he can, who are the rulers of Red London. Now you're thinking like, okay, Red London, is that just a district? No. So there are four different Londons. There's Grey London, which is where King George resides and where Lila is from. Red London, which is where Kel and his family are from. White London, which is different. White London is, I don't know how to explain it. It's like darker than Red London, where it's like Red London will have like, you know, the king and queen will kill somebody because they did something wrong. White London, they torture them. They torture them with blood magic. And it is terrifying. And then there's Black London. And Black London is sealed off from the other Londons because their magic went abundant and cause problems so kel is trying to deal with a situation that has arisen with lila bard the second protagonist and ha and he has a really strong antagonist that is coming through that is bound to white london and it is so enthralling and it is fascinating it is absolutely fascinating read v schwab is definitely somebody who i will model my writing after she's phenomenal it's incredible to see the fantasy genre be revitalized like this and i look forward to see what the other two books in the series do with these characters i'm hoping they actually go to black london still i might give like a little splur like blurb or update once i finish that section but man it is such a good read Another read that was recommended to me was Ninth House by Leigh Bardugo, and it was kind of in the similar vein of this, supposedly, but in essence, 
Yale has these different houses and these like quote unquote secret societies. And essentially the main character, I think it's a, she, she goes there and she gets sucked into this. There are different schools of magic within these nine houses. And she has to figure out how best to navigate that. And I'm really excited to read these because I need to finish the Grist Home book. <laughs> I've been working on it now for, I'd say it's almost a year. And I'm 17 chapters in. So, woo, exciting. But to get back to V.E. Schwab, this is definitely a book that felt like reading Harry Potter for the first time to me. It felt like getting sucked into the story. It was one I was familiar with. I didn't have to learn about all these other various things. And V.E. Schwab presents it in a way that is rapid fire that you can digest, but it isn't in a king way where it's like you have to pay attention. Like this book, you can you don't have to pay to the pay attention to the little intricacies of it to understand later why it is the way it is. This book is very accessible. I would say that it's just as accessible as Harry Potter, if not more so. And it picks up very quickly because of the intrigue between Kel and how he runs things in the world and those in the various Londons that run the world as well. Lila Bard is also a fantastic character. She's very, I wouldn't even say domineering. She's just very personal and she is accessible as well. And you understand her tropes very well. It's again, it's a very accessible read. You can pick it up at any local bookstore and online if you choose to shop online during these times. And I highly recommend it. Also, if you haven't downloaded Goodreads yet, I'm sorry, if you haven't downloaded Goodreads yet and you enjoy doing <laughs> doing reading, if you enjoy reading books and you want to keep track of what you have read, you should download Goodreads. This isn't a paid promotion for Goodreads. This is just my personal review of Goodreads. My wife and I use Goodreads and we absolutely love it. It's a great way to keep track of your books. You can rate books. You can see what people say about the books that have read it and you can get a broader picture on what the book is in these reviews. So I would totally recommend Goodreads for you if you are in the mood for some reading this holiday season. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. As usual, it's really exciting to see people listen to it and that I'm not just doing this as a waste of time, but it is part of my self-care and I enjoy that a lot. If you want to follow us and learn more about these various projects I have going on, you should totally check into the Twitter page that we have going. It is going to get better. <laughs> it's going to get better. But so far, I have I post the episodes as they come up, and I spread them out to you guys. And it's a great way to have access to all the various projects. And fingers crossed, hoping the book comes through, and it will be on a bookshelf near you one day. Yeah, other than that, things are doing good. Things are going well, I should say. Doing well. Uh, we are getting through the winter, and it has been a nice one, that's for sure. So with that being said, I think that's it for Third Shift Thoughts this month. And I appreciate y'all for checking in and listening. And uh, if you like this show, again, please spread it. I would love to see people pick up the show and from various countries and things like that. <laughs> so if you get the chance and you dig the show, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast on your socials. 
And with that, I think that's it. Have a safe and wonderful holiday. Be sure that you are taking very good care of yourself. And we will see you in a new year. We will see you in a new year. I'm Joe Fizz, and this has been Third Shift Thoughts with Joe Fizz.